We're back, your favorite podcast show of the week. This is Location Weekly. It's episode number 529, and we are recording live on August the 10th. Ariana, how are you? I'm good. <laughs> Settling in, you know, um, not quite like officially a New Yorker yet feeling, but, um, you know, starting to find like the grocery store and the dry cleaning and, you know, normal things that you need to find. So um, that's good. You know, we've got a little bit longer of a summer here, which is nice because like Georgia school ends super um, early, but they've already started back and we don't start back until, you know, almost mid-September. So um, we've got a nice long summer, which has been, been good. So yeah, I'm, you know, good settling in, getting back to work, all good stuff. How about you? What's new? Yeah, I'm good. It's, uh, you know, the business is rolling along and, uh, you know, managed to get away for, for the weekend uh, with uh, with my family. So, yeah, we have some friends that uh, live in farm country a couple hours away from the big city here and went out there and spent the weekend with them and, you know, swimming in the lake and whatnot. So it was good and the weather was nice. So I feel like I, I relaxed a little bit, which is good because I don't do that very often. But um, yeah, and my uh, my Blue Jays took three out of four of the, uh, from the Red Sox on the weekend, so that was nice. And uh, we're we're in the thick of the wild card race, so let's see. Yeah. Yeah. At some point, maybe I'll watch baseball. I don't know. I haven't really had a lot of TV time lately, but you know, we'll get I've back been to watching it. a lot. It, it's I, I, you know, we have an exciting team, right? Like it, it's it's a powerhouse offense, right? With Guerrero Jr. and Bichette, and now Springer is like on fire. He's won two back-to-back Player of the Weeks. Um, so yeah, it's um, it's going well, you know. On that, and the pitching is is stabilizing. I'll say it's not great, but it's stabilizing. <laughs> So usually we have to out hit people to win. So yeah, I feel like it kind of ebbs and flows, like between whether it's a pitcher's game or a hitter's game, you know, you yeah, have like those. Anyhow, those well, we have a good players. show. Four stories, one very interesting, one we'll kick off with. Uh, but uh, yeah, um, let's just jump right into it with Ariana leading us out. Yeah, so this one's a little close to home for me. Um, my prior role where I spent many years, Digital Envoy, um, also known as Digital Element. Um, you know, many are familiar with that name, but a leader in the IP intelligence, IP geolocation space has made a very interesting acquisition. So um, they have acquired Xmode, um, who is now being rebranded as OutLogic. Um, and if you don't remember, you know, X mode at all in the space. They really um, started off as drunk mode, you know, using location data to help college students, you know, get home safely when out partying, um, continued to kind of evolve on that location data um, with their SDK and um, have continued to do so. And, you know, recently there was probably not super recently, but not too long, long back, you know, we've had some interesting stories um, that came out around X mode. Um, You know, there was a lot that happened around the New York Times, Washington Post covering stories that really focused on privacy sensitivity, um, specifically around sensitive apps. And so 
Um, as part of this acquisition, there's been some, some changes and some new announcements that I think are, are positive and moving in the right direction. So just to outline a few of those, um, you know, really like consumer privacy and data protection are going to continue to be really important issues um, in the industry and for these companies as well. But after the acquisition, Digital Envoy decided to institute a um, kind of upgraded a new code of ethics. So they have a data ethics review panel. Um, they've implemented apps, uh, a sensitive app policy uh, and how that data could be treated. Um, and then we they're also looking to um, contractually prohibit clients from re-identification. So, you know, when you think about clients who might be using sensitive data or sensitive apps and making sure that that data is not getting into, um, you know, different hands that could be using data for, for evil and not good. Um, Digital Envoys also take additional care by shutting off all US location data that's going to any defense contractors. So I think that that's also a step in the right direction. Um, but really, you know, I think the focus is going to be using this acquisition to help drive a lot of the um, fraud prevention efforts that that digital envoy digital element has for a lot of their clients. So um, those are those are items such as like VPN and proxy identification for uh, geo rights management for streaming um, and things of that nature, um, or you know banking authentication, um, all of those different things. So it's going to enrich the the client's decision making, um, and you know they want to also do that while preserving safety and privacy of consumers. So I think it's a good acquisition. I think it's strong. I think both companies will benefit from one another um, in different ways and can enhance some of the offerings that, that Digital Envoy has had um, throughout the years. Um, and they're gonna continue the data for good efforts. So we've seen some of those come out where, um, you know, previously Xmode was tracking COVID-19 pandemic and, and um, looking at location data and how that was moving and, and what that meant for numbers around specific cities and things of that nature. Uh, but they'll also be using, be using data for good for things such as like, um, you know, the fight against human trafficking, emergency vehicle evacuation routes, all of those items um, and other essential, essential services. So I'm, you know, I'm hopeful for both companies. I obviously know them both well, have, you know, worked extensively in partnership with Xmode um, throughout the years, you know, leading up to my change and moving to Samsung. But I think that this is a, is a good partnership that will benefit them in the near term. Um, so yeah, I'm, I wish all of my former colleagues and partners good luck. What do you think? Yeah, I, I think it's a good, um, you know, a, a good place to land, right. For, for X mode and, you know, whatever OutLogic, I guess, is what they're rebranding it as now. Um, you know, I, I think the controls that you alluded to that they've put in place here around ethics and privacy and, um, you know, preventing re-identification of the data, all of those things are, are really important and, and uh, you know, need to be part of any kind of go forward positioning and strategy. So I, I like that, you know, digital envoy element, you know, are kind of making that, um, you know, front and center part of the brand, right? Of what they're going to market with. I understand that they're retiring the, you know, the, the SDK or XDK or whatever they call it, um, you know, and kind of focusing more on a publisher to publisher type of um, framework. So I think we'll see how that 
plays out in terms of an offering and what the impact might be on, you know, from a revenue perspective kind of going in. Um, I think there's, you know, we'll see some, I, I would anticipate we'd see some decline there in the short term, but I think it, it, it can be, uh, you know, sort of rebuilt fairly quickly, you know, by shifting to this other, you know, other model and, and positioning, you know, around the ethical side of things. And I think what you talked about, you know, around, um, you know, the idea of, of using the data for good or, you know, preventing fraud from happening or those kinds of things. These are all really important, positive use cases of location data. And we need more companies, you know, to, to really talk about, you know, not only its value, but its, but its importance as a, as a data set um, and what can be done with it. So it's not just, here's an ad, right? It's, there's so many other amazing things that you can do with this data. And, and so to me, that's the real value here is a recognition that, you know, as a company, Digital Envoy is looking at this going, we have a role to play and, and you know, having Xmode's platform as part of what we can do mashed up with what we already have and our history and our customers and our offerings, uh, there's a lot of strength there. So, so I like it. Uh, I think it's, uh, it, it's a good, uh, it's a good combination. So. Yeah. Yep. All right. On to our uh, our second story for this week, Walmart. So this time we're not just talking about Walmart doing something kind of cool in its stores or anything like that. Uh, like a lot of retailers, Walmart has invested heavily in technology, uh, especially when it comes to you know delivery and pickup and all that kind of stuff we've been talking about you know, over the last year in particular and kind of the growth of that in a COVID, you know, pandemic uh, environment. And so Walmart's decided that, uh, you know, their technology is so good um, that they're just going to make this available to other retailers and other t other companies that want to leverage, you know, uh, what they've already built and kind of, you know, spend a lot of time trying to work out the kinks in. And so um, they're making this uh, accessible, uh, Walmart's cloud-based services um, through, through a marketplace. Um, and so it's, it's, it's their technology around fulfillment. It's their two-day shipping fulfillment services. So if you're, if you're a smaller retailer, you can basically you know, use Walmart to do your fulfillment for you. Um, uh, not not a new concept. We've talked about Amazon doing this for other uh, other brands before, but interesting to see that you know Walmart's you know trying to kind of keep up with uh, with what Amazon's doing there and kind of you know opening up its fulfillment capabilities uh, and its its tech in that way. Um, it also enables uh, order pickup communications and check in options. You know, notifying store assistants uh, uh, or associates, I should say, uh, all that sort of you know arrival time. You know, uh, you know, type of stuff that you see with the buy, you know, the pickup uh, and delivery uh, stuff at stores. So they're making all of that tech sort of available and accessible, you know, through this marketplace to other retailers. So if you're a smaller, you know, or mid-market-sized retailer and you don't have, you know, the tech chops to go and build your own uh, fulfillment uh, capabilities or your own sort of pickup digital services or whatever. Now you can leverage, you know, Walmart's uh, knowledge there uh, and, and platform there to kind of do that yourselves. So kind of cool. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think it's very cool. And I think you hit the nail on the head when you said, hey, Amazon's been doing this for a while. 
we've seen that competition sort of continue between Walmart and Amazon, um, you know, where Amazon is doing fulfillment for other, other small companies. Now Walmart's moving into that, you know, Walmart's acquisition of what was a jet.com back in the day. Uh, and so like, you know, they're kind of making these, these moves to stay relevant, stay competitive um, and offer some of the same services. I do like that they're opening, you know, this up and it, it's a beneficial offering or competitive offering even to give uh, smaller, you know, smaller retailers the ability to have a choice uh, between you know, fulfillment options. So um, yeah, I mean, I think it's a, it's a good move. It's a new revenue stream and it probably you know, from, I'd, I'd, I would love to know, like, what are the, what's the fine print there? Because how does this also help um, Walmart determine, like, what they should be making more of based upon what they're delivering and fulfilling for other companies? And yeah. that's where I think there's a little bit of a conflict of interest for the companies that use fulfillment, let's say from Amazon, for example, because what that, ha what happens typically is that, you know, Amazon starts fulfilling for X good and they say, oh, this is really growing. So Amazon should make their own brand and create that because we can sell it faster, cheaper, deliver it, you know, more efficiently than doing this for, um, you know, another third party. And then they kind of monopolize things. So I think that it's, you know, ultimately this is a move for Walmart, just like it has been a move for Amazon. But, you know, in the interim, if you, you know, if fulfillment is the biggest challenge you have, you have an option. Yeah, 100%. And, and I think the other thing too is, is that, you know, in terms of how they're making this available, they partnered with with Adobe to do that. So it's, this is like that marketplace I talked about is on the Adobe Commerce, Adobe Commerce platform. So it, it's not, they, you know, like they, obviously Walmart, you know, has huge retail footprint, right? In terms of stores, Amazon doesn't have that, but they have, you know, years and years of expertise in that sort of marketplace setting, right? So. Walmart basically sort of matched that, you know, in, in by sort of partnering with Adobe on this to kind of, you know, make it available uh, in that sense. And, you know, Adobe's huge, right? So um, I like that too. Yep. All right, sure. third story. All right, so this is a new partnership that is being announced between our friends over at Place IQ and Izea, not Ikea, Izea, I-Z-E-A. Um, many of you, I'm sure we've talked about Place IQ a lot of times on the show, um, you know, Duncan, CEO over there that we've known for a long time, um, actually just caught up with him via email the other day randomly, so the story is timely, but they have partnered with Isaiah, which Isaiah provides influencer marketing technology, data, services, um, you know, all of those things for different brands. And so they are always looking to bridge that online and offline gap in, in media attribution. And that's where Place IQ comes in. So obviously location data and insights that they model to consumer behavior. Um, so really their, their goal here is to address the shift that's been happening uh, you know, in consumer behavior and how we purchase, especially that's happened over the last two years or so within this pandemic and how we do things like curbside pickup versus in-store delivery, you know, different, different, um, different ways that we are, are buying and consuming goods and services. So really they want to help identify and reach these customers that are the right customers. And then they want to be able to prove that, you know, from a measurement and attribution standpoint, that there is lift that's happening. Um, and what is the difference here in some other offerings that you might say, like, 
is really the fact that they're doing this tied to influencer marketing piece that makes it slightly unique. So we've seen other players like this, uh, you know, Foursquare with their acquisition of factual, um, commerce signals or Verisk that does this type of modeling for both targeting and measurement based on behaviors. And um, But I think the idea that this is using the influencer marketing pieces is, is again, like that's kind of their unique play here. So they'll measure things like actual percentage of lift on location visits of consumers who were exposed to specific media. Um, and then they can create consumer audiences based on previous shopping behavior as well. Uh, so a recent stat that they mentioned was like a marketing campaign drove over 30,000 in-store grocery visits, you know, estimating about 1.6 million in additional grocery sales or lift. So, you know, that's the kind of, of insights and measurement that they want to be able to see as it's tied to those who are actually exposed to advertising. Um, so my, you know, my buttoned up thoughts on this are again, like, I don't know that it's a super unique offering. We have other players in the space that are doing this, but I do like their um, kind of different entry point being the influencer marketing that they're trying to link this to. Um, so that's my take, you know. Yeah, I, I, I don't have a lot to add to this other than I think that that uh, sort of unique target audience that they're going after is a little is is a little bit different. Like I, I'm not aware of of other um, you know platforms out there that have been trying to measure the impact that you know an influencer uh, community or influencer marketing can have uh, on a on an ad campaign. So I mean, we talk a lot about you know mobile ad you know and attribution you know and how geodata plays into that, but from a social media or influencer perspective, you know I haven't seen you know, any, any partnerships or any sort of real measurement around that. So, so, so I think it is interesting. And I think that, you know, we hear a lot, certainly, uh, you know, if we want to take it to, to the far extreme, you know, Kardashians and people like that, that, you know, post something and, you know, the next day there's like, you know, a hundred million in sales or whatever, um, you know, being, being able to actually measure, you know, do, you know, do, do does that, uh, influencer, uh, post or whatever that they're doing actually result in foot traffic to the stores or, you know, what kind of lift are we seeing from that? Um, you know, and I talked, I talk a lot, you know, going, going back over the years of the LB May, I talk a lot about that gap, right, between social and location. And, it, you know, I, I, you know, many times on, you know, I've been speaking at conferences and I like say, hey, I don't, like, it doesn't matter to me you know, if you as a brand have a million people or a hundred million people that follow you on Facebook or, you know, Instagram or whatever, if you don't know where they are and you can't convert them into revenue, right? Um, so, you know, kind of closing that gap between the social followers and where they are in the physical world, their location, and being able to drive them to the restaurant or the store or the wherever they can purchase something or interact with your brand um, is really to me what it's all about. And so that's kind of the value I see here in this, in this partnership is sort of a recognition of, you know, the need to close that gap and, and create some attribution around what's going on in, in the influencer community. So I like it. And I think to some extent too, I would, I would even go one step further to say probably another similar area where, you know, we don't see a lot of measurement is in sort of, um, promotional or sort of like event based marketing, like where, you know, let's say, 
you know, there's, you know, you do, you throw out a street uh, team to go and, and promote or hand out flyers or do things, you know, whatever around a particular brand, you know, how do you measure that, right? Um, and the impact that that's having. I think that's another similar kind of area like these influencers where, you know, there's, there's a little bit of a gap that the, the data and the tech is out there to, to, to close, right? So this is, this is a good example of, of it with what Place IQ and IZ are doing. Yep. All right, on to our final story. Speaking of social media platforms, today we're going to talk about TikTok. So over in uh, in the UK, um, TikTok is uh, working with out of home uh, to help artists that are unsigned. So these are musicians and so on that are unsigned artists. Uh, so they they're not you know tied in with a label. Um, and you can imagine right now, you know, kind of coming through the pandemic and all of that, what the impact uh, that it's had on the, the music industry, especially the live music industry. You know, people aren't, you know, there's no concerts happening. People aren't going to, to live music events. And so uh, TikTok said, you know, hey, you know, this is something where, you know, we, we want to try and help and, and do something here with these, with these unsigned artists. So in various, uh, the streets of various British cities, um, using billboards and, and posters, uh, in particular in Glasgow, Liverpool, and Bristol, uh, you can scan a featured QR code um, on one of these posters and be uh, taken directly to a dedicated showcase in TikTok uh, of that unsigned artist. Um, so there's a video sharing por portal that's been opened up that's called uh, Find the Unsigned. Um, there's in-app page that links to artists with audiences um, and, you know, it, it, it's a kind of a, a cool, you know, like tech wise, nothing new here, like obviously in the mashup without of home, nothing new there, but just in terms of what they're trying to do with it and who they're trying to help with it. I, you know, I, I, I think it's a, a really great idea. Uh, and it's a great way to sort of say, Hey, TikTok is, you know, um, not just a cool video platform, you know, not just a bunch of teenagers. You know we you know we have causes and and we're we're, we're helping out and 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 i think this is a you know like i said a a segment of the population that's been really hit hard by the pandemic you know the the artists and cultural community so uh i i like it i think it's you know like i said very low tech in 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 some ways but uh in other ways very very cool in terms of what they're trying to address what are, what are your thoughts yeah, I was just thinking of a story it reminded me of that we covered a long time ago um, where there was an app that was launched for London buskers, like the street performing artists, so that you could, you know, tip or pay them via an app. And I feel like this is like the much larger upgrade to that <laughs> Yeah. Uh, with a lot more reach and, um, you know, efficacy. So I, I do like this. I would echo your sentiments around like seeing TikTok doing something that is um, a little bit more centered around giving back or helping, you know, starving artists. Um, so yeah, I mean, not a whole lot to add, but I think that it is, it's good to see more than just like, you know, dance challenges um, happening there. So well, yeah. yeah and, and I think that my last comment on this uh, before we wrap it, it is like two, two things actually. One is I, I was surprised maybe as I think about it, maybe not so surprised, but initially I was surprised to see that TikTok has a guy named Paul Horican whose title is head of music operations. So they actually think about this this industry, you know, 
as, as significant and important to them to have somebody who's actually responsible for it. Second is, you know, kind of, I'm not of the TikTok generation, you're closer to it than I am, but, um, you know, it's more, it's more my kids, right? Um, but it, kind of thinking backwards in time here to, you know, the early days of YouTube, uh, you know, as a video platform and TikTok's primarily video, um, you know, a lot of music artists that were unsigned, that's how they, you know, sort of got word out about, you know, about their music and what they do uh, and, and got, expo you know, that exposure to, to get signed. I'm thinking right here at home here in Canada, like Justin Bieber was discovered on YouTube, for example. Um, right. So I, I think there's a lot of potential here with this very fast growing, very popular uh, platform in TikTok to really, you know, create some, you know, a channel and a vehicle for, you know, getting these unsigned artists, you know, the exposure they need to to get signed and become popular. So yeah. I like it. It, it I, and also just like one more thought is it kind of reminds me a friend of um, some friends of mine a long time ago launched um, a music kind of network called Affix Music and um, I haven't checked in on where this is in status but really it was all about taking unsigned artists music and quickly ha they have this platform that would quickly create and generate a license for use that would pay the artists um, you know a reasonable portion of, of that fee and it would help again like with discovery with um you know just kind of driving some revenue so i think that this is there's a lot of like these pieces of the puzzle that can be pulled together um including the other app that we had mentioned um for kind of linking somebody in need for a specific type of art or design with a you know artist whether that's music or digital or whatever it may be so I think that there's like a theme where we are continuing to see almost this um, this customization being tailored more towards like a smaller, you know, but more prominent demographic than these like large artists that are already signed. Like we're really focusing in now on how do we connect those in need or those in a discovery mode with those who are having that content um, and can produce that. So I I like that we're seeing some some new um, new ideas being, being brought to the table around that. Yeah. And, and I think, uh, you, you know, there, that's, you know, you touched on something there too, which is like this, this whole area of, um, you know, the protection and the, the copyrights, you know, around the ownership of a lot of that stuff. And often, you know, when things are shared digitally, um, you know, it, it's stuff's getting stolen and, and, you know, um, you know, the, the artist can quickly lose control. A good fr a friend of mine, uh, Rain Maida, who's, um, you know, better known from the, the Canadian band up here, Our Lady Peace, has a new, uh, startup that's uh, specifically around digital, uh, rights protection and so on called Sing. It's a, you can look it up. It's just S and the I is a, is a, um, exclamation point. Uh, sing, uh, um, but with, with an exclamation point for the eye. So take a look at that too. It's a, if you're an artist out there, it's a, it's a cool uh, platform for you know, sort of helping protect that. Yeah, and it uses like blockchain and, and things like that to you know, sort of uh, manage the flow of the data. So yeah. yeah. Sure. So there you go. Well, that's our show for this week. You've been listening to episode number 529 of Location Weekly. We thank you, as always, for your time. We'll be back next week with another show. Have a great week, everybody, and we'll see you soon. Bye.